Okay, I'm going to read to you the story of how I almost died 40 years ago. The number one cause of plane crashes is pilot error. Mm-hmm, sounds about right. There's an old joke. When I die, I want to go peacefully like my grandfather in his sleep. Not screaming like the passengers in his car. I never thought it was funny. It was 1986, and I was in my final year of undergraduate engineering. My friend Peter and I had collaborated on an engineering design competition and won this big prize for our part of Canada. Uh, we designed a light switch that would turn off and on by voice command, you know, pretty advanced for then, pretty fucking stupid for now. Um, but even more, uh, even more exciting, we were invited to a national competition in Montreal the following month. While I was in university, I had enrolled in private pilot lessons. I once had the dream of becoming a fighter pilot, but imperfect vision and a lack of conflict in Canadian airspace foiled my dreams. But I had my private pilot's license by the time we had to go to Montreal, so Peter and I decided to have me fly us there. One more layer adventure on top of the award that we just won, and even have just having the trip to Montreal. So on a cold Sunday morning, Peter and I loaded up our circuit board with the project on it, into the back of a Cherokee warrior for the two hour trip. I was taught on Cessnas, not Cherokees. So I hadn't flown this particular model of plane before and it made Peter a bit nervous. It's like, you haven't flown this plane before? I was like, don't worry. These single engine planes all fly the same. We're gonna be fine. So other than a lot of cursing while trying to prime the engine to start, the takeoff and trip to Dorval, which is now Trudeau uh, International Airport, were uneventful. I was pretty good at maintaining altitude and following a map. I even let Peter take the controls so I could take a quick snooze. And I showed him the autopilot button and nodded off. But that's not where the problem came. An hour later, we were approaching Dorval, Trudeau Airport, and I had air traffic control on the radio assigning me a runway, runway 24 for coming from the south. It was an easy approach and I lowered the flaps to reduce speed. Peter said, this was great, you should fly us everywhere. As we entered the final descent at 2000 feet, the plane's engine, sputtered a few times and then shut down completely. Peter asked, are you supposed to turn the engine off now? I assured him that it was normal procedure while I frantically scanned the dashboard to find out what the actual problem was. The number one cause of flight crashes in private planes is a lack of fuel. But I looked at the fuel gauge and it was full. Just then there was a burst of static from my headphones and an angry French voice started yelling at me, Echo Victor Romeo, you're approaching the wrong runway. Sorry, I gotta do that in a French accent. Echo Victor Romeo, you are approaching the wrong runway. Eh, okay, whatever, we're on the wrong runway. I looked up and I saw a large 24 on the runway and replied negative, we're approaching runway 24. He yells, you're on 24 right, you're assigned 24 left. What the fuck, parallel runways? I was about to land in mud. 500 feet short of either one, so I turned back to the dashboard and ignored the control tower's stream of cursing, and I was starting to break out into a sweat. And I thought, wait a second, when I looked at the fuel tank, did I see a full tank after a two-hour flight? I went back to the gauge and I saw a second dial at zero, and it was also labeled fuel. There was a knob underneath labeled L and R, and I swore under my breath, fuck, and snapped the switch from left to right pumped the primer, and restarted the engine on the secondary fuel tank, something I had never dealt with on a Cessna. Out loud, I said to Peter, oh, looks like I misjudged the landing. Better turn the engine back on, while I turned it on and smiled at him. 
I hoped he didn't notice the shadow of the rapidly ascending, rerouted 737 behind us. Never let them see you sweat. I landed safely, taxied to our assigned parking spot, and pretended nothing unusual had happened. As I dealt with a security guard who came running up to the plane, Peter unloaded our project circuit board, and shortly after, we got into a rental car for the drive to McGill University. Peter seemed pensive, which I thought was strange, because we'd landed safely and things were going well. When we got to the university, we went directly to the design showroom, plugged in our equipment, and did a quick test to make sure everything worked. Peter looked like he was going to be sick. When I said, light on, and the light came on, he suddenly started to laugh. And I stared at him and said, he said, oh my God, I was so nervous. I dropped the circuit board when I was taking it out of the plane. I thought I'd broken it and you were going to kill me when you found out. Little did he know what had actually happened. I never said anything to him about the watch landing. Shortly after returning home, I received a letter in the mail stating that I was no longer allowed to fly into Montreal. I never flew cross-country again, only taking off and landing at the same airport, flying for fun. I gave up flying altogether a few years later. After all, I want to die peacefully in my sleep.